not come third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. We are competing to win. For a victory. Okay, and episode 33, uh, Motorsport. Formula One and Formula E, both over the weekend. Uh, both very exciting and surprising races. Yeah, well, exciting compared to what we are expecting, but still not that much of a spectacle. A bit of controversy in Formula One, which is always good for Monaco, otherwise a bit of a procession. But yeah, plenty to talk about at least, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it towards the end, and I enjoyed the aftermath of Formula One. I'd tell you what, uh, you'd feel pretty unlucky if you were an English cricket player at the moment, because they managed a, a great final day in their test match to beat New Zealand. Um, they got them all out for about 220, and New Zealand only needed 340. But everything's been about Lewis Hamilton's team's pit strategy in yes. the UK press. Well, the UK press aren't really about positive news stories, really. Well, it's just funny. You get a guy that was supposed to win who lost, which has kind of been the English cricket team's uh, calling card for a while. And then you've got the team that was kind of expected to struggle and managed to pull out a great day and bowl out a, a very good team. Oh, qualifying, I, I don't think it uh, surprised a lot of people to see Mercedes right up there. Yeah, well, qualifying is pretty much the race for Monaco anyway, so a lot of the action, and it's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen once qualifying is there, so a lot of the, the focus is on qualifying, especially with the testing. Mm. Um, they tried a lot of, well, not a lot, but a little bit of few specifics for um, upgrades for Monaco. But um, I think also with qualifying, you end up getting a lot of um, a lot of idea of how teams are going as a raw engineering aspect, because there, there's not a lot of tricks you can do in Monaco. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's no cross breeze to talk of because they've got barriers everywhere. Um, it was pretty cold coming into qualifying, so a lot of teams were saying that it took a bit of effort to switch the tyres on. Yeah. Um, but even so, that uh, reduces the amount of mechanical grip, uh, brings the driver into it a little bit more. Uh, but there's it's a tight track. It's a hard track for drivers. And getting that uh, one good lap is pretty tricky all over the board, but largely it just comes down to which driver is able to just take those few centimetres out of the corner, get on the gas sooner, and <laughs> keep it out of the wall. And in this case, Hamilton just... He, he got polled by oh, a, quarter, a third of a second, pretty much. And it wasn't a real surprise. Uh, he was leading all day. Rosberg kept pushing, Um but he just didn't seem to be able to string that lap together as well as he hoped. Um, the other one who would be disappointed qualifying was Ricardo. On his flying lap, he was in the wrong engine mode, unfortunately. The uh, the team got on the radio and said, uh, turn it back one. And he'd already had. So when he turned it back one, he was on, a, I think, a, a leaner fuel mode. So when he started his flying lap, he was down on power a bit. And then realized, shit, wrong mode, flicked it back on. But uh, even so, he still managed to qualify fifth, uh, fourth, sorry. He's probably qualifying ahead of Raikkonen to be something he wanted to do. He would have liked to have pushed uh, Vettel a bit further. Uh, he was point two off him. Again, had he managed to be in the right mode, maybe he could have got him, maybe he couldn't have. Who can say? The big movers, though, for me, were, again, Toro Rosso. Um, they're sitting up there in 8th and 10th at qualifying. Uh, Verstappen, who I don't think even has pubic hair, has uh, managed to land it in the top 10, which plenty of drivers who could claim better than him haven't been able to do that. And then you got uh, Sergio Perez, who somehow manages to just keep on going in a, a car that a uh, teammate just can't seem to find much in. And Hulkenberg's certainly no struggler. He's a, a quality driver. And, uh, you know, 
Perez doesn't seem to be hating having left McLaren. But um, yeah, so what do you think about qualifying? Anyone surprise you? I think the big surprises were Williams qualifying, not even making Q2. I would have expected a little bit better out of them, to be honest. I would have thought they could have pipped Grosjean, um, especially since it's got the same engine. And mm. I would have thought that Williams would have had a little bit of an edge in, in um, this track over them, but apparently not. So yeah, um, I think the real thing for McLaren was Jensen missing out on, on Q3. Yeah, he got unlucky. I think he missed out by about a second, but um, there was a, a yellow flag came out on his flying lap, which would have got him through. And um, unfortunately, he had to slow down during that sector and really cost him dearly. And I think that would have been a real... Would have been one of the boxes that McLaren were trying to tick off, probably coming into the European middle of the season. It would have been a milestone. And you heard him on the radio afterwards being, you know, kind of a bit dejected, but... He could see the positives there and he came so close and it was out of his hands and just didn't quite get there. But I think for, for McLaren, they could be happy with that qualifying performance and um, I think it's something that they would have really aimed at was uh, one lap fast speed because their power unit's been down. So I think that was really impressive and look for them in Canada to probably struggle a bit, but they'll be taking a little bit of momentum into it. And like you said, with uh, Verstappen and um, the other Toro Rosso with Signs, they did an exceptional job in qualifying and it's been consistent with them with one lap speed. A little bit of racecraft in there as well. And as you said, Ricardo qualifying fourth, really put him in the box seat. Got pipped, but what can you do? You do your best on qualifying and anything can happen in the race. Well, his starts have been struggling a bit and he, he was on the dirty side of the track. But, uh, you know, having said that, so were half the field. And yeah, half the field didn't give up the place. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, it's unfortunate he doesn't seem to be able to get his starts happening at the moment. Yep. But um, Kvyat did, and to both their credit, they kept it clean all day. I don't think Ricardo really made a move on Kvyat at all. No, no. Well, I mean, and he's, he got he didn't get shafted at the start. He actually got a good start. So did Kvyat. He just got caught out with um, Vettel getting a bit blocked up. And Kvyat got around the inside, and he, he had to give that place to Kvyat. Otherwise, he'd not been a wall. Yeah. But um, what I would have done at the end, when he got freed up to try and attack Hamilton, uh, he was never going to pass Hamilton, but I would have been interested if he had have asked if he could give that place back to Kvyat and then fight for that position. Because I think that would have been a smarter move from Ricardo as opposed to trying to attack the Mercedes of Hamilton. It all comes down to if he's allowed to, but... It would have given him that sort of mental edge over in-team rivalries, fighting Kvyat for a position and saying, look, I'm not going to get Hamilton, but let me let Kvyat pass, and then I'll just overtake him again. I think that would have been a really good you know, kind would of strategy. It would have been interesting, but uh, then again, you risk getting both <laughs> both cars in the wall. Well, that's it. it would, but just the fact that you would have asked, just, just to give you that confidence saying, yeah, uh, maybe I can't catch Mercedes engine, but let my team came past, I'll just overtake him instead. But at Monaco, tyre deg isn't so important. Um just because your tyres can be fucking useless going off like nuts, the other guys still got to get around you, which is damn hard to do in this track. I don't think there was many passes at all this race. I think I only saw about four. Yeah. Um, and not even that many attempts, uh, just because there is no clean place to pass. You need to really just stick it on the inside or just uh, go balls out, like uh, Ricardo's pass on Raikkonen, which, uh, in all honesty, I'm surprised the stewards didn't look at that a bit further. But um, to stick it up the inside of Raikkonen is pretty ballsy. I think if that was Maldonado or Grosjean, he wouldn't have done it. But uh, they both managed to continue with their race versus the Verstappen and uh, Grosjean coming together. 
I, I know a lot of people were blaming Grosjean for breaking early or Verstappen for not realising or not giving room to Grosjean, but it seems to me that both of them fucked up, really. Like Grosjean tyres were going off. He was breaking early. Uh, Verstappen, for whatever reason, thought he'd just sneak right up the gearbox, and I don't know what he was trying to do with that. It didn't look like he was trying to pass. It just looked like he was trying to get all over him. He wasn't taking the wider line to get the better uh, traction off that corner, so I'm not really sure what he was doing. You know, having said that, he's only 17 and has still got a lot more Formula 1 experience than I do, so maybe you know something I don't. Monaco is a bit of a procession and a parade. Um, with the exception of Verstappen's safety car, we probably would have seen the cars just uh, troll along for the last 13 laps or how many was left when he crashed. Unfortunately, Hamilton's pit box had other ideas. I'm sure there's been some heavy discussions in Mercedes about it all, just because bringing a bloke in as a safety car comes out, not a brilliant idea, especially when your tyres are good enough to go to the end. If someone's flinched, they've called him in, and he managed to go from a 21 second ahead to sitting behind Vettel. And when you see him come out, you just knew Vettel wasn't going to give that spot up. He had zero intention of moving aside and letting Hamilton buy. I don't know what the fuck Mercedes were thinking. And uh, the messages that went to the car afterwards, Hamilton's going, what the fuck, guys? And uh, they pretty much said, yeah, shit, sorry. Which isn't a, a great thing to hear from Pitwall. You don't want to hear sorry. Hmm. And Ricardo's still uh, double the points to Kvyat over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Uh, 35 to Kvyat, 17. Yep. Um, you know, and Ricardo's catching Massa. Uh, Massa's only on 39, and uh, Bottas is on 42. Yep. So he's only seven points behind Bottas. Ricardo in seventh, Bottas in fifth. Yep. I really hope he can uh, take that spot. Six points, uh, seven points isn't much at all. Yeah. If he gets one podium this year, he'll be looking at it. But uh, unfortunately, he's in the fourth best car, and there's six blokes ahead of him that are more than willing to take that step on the podium. Yeah, and he's got the worst engine going around, and there's a lot of fast tracks coming up. I mean, we've mm. still got Monza, we've got Canada next week, or uh, not next week, but next race. I think Canada's going to be interesting, uh, especially the Wall of Champions. I think yeah. there might be a few more people uh, retiring due to it. Yeah, I reckon there won't be too many champions in that wall either. No. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot of the middle and the arse end of the field stuck um, in there. I think Maldonado's only had three finishes so far this year. Um, I don't think he's going to add to that at Canada. No. Actually, could it could even be one finish. I can't remember. I've seen it. I can't remember it was one points finish or, or one finish full stop, but he hasn't been great and not doing himself any favours either because he's already been put on notice saying he's going to have to earn his seat for next season and he's going about spending their money in all sorts of wrong directions. <laughs> um, with Ricardo's pass on Raikkonen, uh, he came out afterwards and said, yeah, he's, you can't pass in Monaco without going a bit of wheel-to-wheel and he appreciated the stewards not giving him the... Um, penalty and he thought it was a pass for the fans that's what he called it and I see what he's saying but the people's pass yeah I still think he, he left it in that space too long and it was never going to stay there and when you're fighting world champions like that I think you probably deserve a little bit more respect to give him, give him that corner I don't think he was ever going to get through there he was trying to set it up for the subsequent corner but that gap was never going to stay there he was never going to get far enough ahead of Raikkonen's wheels to be considered his corner and I think he needed to back out a bit earlier and, and give Raikkonen that part yeah I'm kind of in two minds because on, on one hand you know it's Monaco you yep. there is no such thing as a full pass chance really mm. um, you've got to create it yourself uh, and as Senna said you know if there's a gap that exists and you don't go for it you're no longer a racer yep um, I think the main difference between this and a pass that ends up in the wall yep. is that Raikkonen has very good control of his car. Yeah. And 
Ricardo was able to stay inside. He didn't go wide when he exited the corner. Yep. And Raikkonen didn't cut in when he exited the corner. Yep. So two guys who were in a very um, high level of control of their car were able to avoid crashing out. Whereas if you had, well, half the field in either of those two positions, you would have ended up with two cars in the wall. Yeah. Well, I thought it was um, pretty polite with how Raikkonen expressed being pissed off with Ricardo's move. <laughs> Especially for Raikkonen. That's not very nice. <laughs> he, he never sounds angry, though. No, yeah. Um, you know, the Iceman gets that name for a, a reason, obviously. But um, I don't think um, there's really any tension there. Like, Kimi expected it to happen. Yep. Um, he probably didn't expect a little bit of wheel bump. Yeah. But... Um, you know, they both got away with it, so fair play to him. And Ricardo actually went on to get the fastest lap of the race after that. Ah, oh, that's right, he did too. I'm guessing that's just a bit of clean air and the fresh boots on. Well, yeah, and plus, if the stewards call up and say, you better give that place back, mate, yep. he wants to make sure he's far enough, he doesn't give up too many. Exactly. And I think the stewards at the end just went, you know what, fuck it, let's just get this race over and done with. Um, I did feel sorry for Alonso a little bit. He was racing well until another mechanical failure. I think they said it was his gearbox or something let go. Um, poor bastard. He was driving well, in a good position, going to get some points. Yeah. And-, and that's um, something we predicted too, that McLaren would uh, score points. By we, I'm, I'm uh, putting my hand up myself. That was totally me. I don't think I predicted any, anything that <laughs> happened, I reckon. <laughs> no, I thought, uh, especially McLaren's garage placing and their pit crew, yep. which matters more here than anywhere else, uh, mm. they would have a couple of seconds over every other team yep. below them. Um, I think, you know, McLaren, uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, and um, Red Bull are the best pit crews in there. Yeah. Uh, regularly getting three seconds or under, yep. whereas the rest of the teams seem to struggle, except for McLaren, who've been drilled so much that three seconds is their par. Yeah, and even even three seconds, they'd probably be disappointed with, I reckon. Well, yeah, I mean, these days, you see so often, you know, 2.8s, 2.7s, the three seconds tends to happen when there's just that slight hitch stumble, you know, the extra turn on the the, uh, gun to get the wheel off or on. Yeah, we saw a few of those, um, a few nuts that didn't want to come off or go on properly. Yep. Um, One of the the Toro Rosso's had a problem, I think. I think it was Sainz. Sainz, yeah. Yeah. and he managed to score some points, which is good for him. Yep. Uh, not so good for Verstappen, who was, again, looking good. But uh, that's one of the funny things. Verstappen, only 17. Yep. How many years do you give him before you have higher expectations? Because he's got, you know, 15 years yeah. of F1 driving before he even thinks of retiring. Yep, pretty much. I think that he just he's the exception to that sort of young age rule. But I think it did show his immaturity around that this track and in that crash because... Yeah, uh, Grosjean did break earlier than what he should have, but Grosjean's got older tyres on. He's going against someone who's got fresher tyres, but Grosjean's got the faster engine. So you'd reasonably reasonably assume that Grosjean is going to sit on the apexes a bit more so that um, Verstappen can't just lean on his tyres and get that extra speed and actually try and catch him. Yeah. So I think either the team tells him, or as a driver, you should already know this, that that's what Grosjean's strategy is going to be. So... It's irrelevant if you're hitting your braking points if the car in front of you has already started braking because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I think, unfortunately, it wasn't just the early brake. It was the intensity of the early brake. I think he's just concentrating too much on hitting his braking points and not concentrating on the actual race itself. 
Mm. I think you need to be a bit more aware of other things that are happening, not just hitting your points and worrying about what you're doing. There are other cars on the track and you've got to be aware of what their strategy might be and and really consider where you are on the track and, and what strategy you're going to do to try and get past them, especially Monaco. Yeah, I mean, Verstappen's a, a project for Toro Rosso. Um, yeah. they, they wouldn't be expecting much from him this year or probably next year. Um, however, if he's not putting results in the year after, he could very well get that flick. Three be- years seems to be the the limit for Toro Rosso. Yep, and I mean, he'll have plenty of options no matter where he goes, but I can't see him not sticking in Formula 1. I think he'll just go on to improve and that experience will he'll be wiser for it. Yeah, especially because he fits the Red Bull mentality. You know, he's young, vibrant. Um, he's quite popular with the fans. Yep. And he's also the sort of guy that can bring new fans into the sport. Yeah. Um, mainly because of his age group. And coming from the Netherlands as well, it's been a while since they've had some competitive people in Formula 1. So getting some of the interest back into the European countries that traditionally follow Formula 1, which is good. You know, you have to say, Monaco, not really surprising that many people. Well, I was not never going to be surprised with how Monaco turns out because um, Monaco is really a test of a uh, driver's ability to of concentration, more or less. It's not going to be much of an on-track spectacle, but I think to really appreciate what the drivers have to do to keep it out of a wall and flying confidently around that track, you can only get a true sense by looking at what those streets are like without an F1 track there without barriers without anything just in normal civilian life what this circuit looks like and I'll actually I'll post a link or embed it on our website of a civilian just driving the circuit there's heaps of them on YouTube so you can either look it up or look on our website but you look at the streets they're driving through and there is not a chance you would sit there and look at this street and go hell yeah I can imagine a Red Bull doing 200 k's per hour down this street <laughs> it's just fucking insane no it's the sort of thing where if you need to do a U-turn it's a 14 point turn <laughs> yeah kind of thing um it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in uh, Canada just based on the fuck-up that Mercedes had because last year there was the, all the tension with Rosberg and Hamilton. Um, yeah. Hamilton's had the, the chocolates a few more times this year. But um, Rosberg's got his second win and actually that uh, gets him three in a row at Monaco. Yep. Only three other drivers have done that. Yep. Uh, Senna, Elaine Prost and Graham Hill. Three legends of the sport, so it's only Prost, Graham Hill, Etten Senna, and now Nico Rosberg. Yep. Um, and it's kind of funny to think that he joins that elite company, and you know, if you're talking about best drivers of all time, Senna, Hill, and Prost are names you bring into the conversation. Yep. Uh, whether you decide on them or not, but they're still blokes you got to talk about. And now Rosberg can put his hand up and say he's part of that crew. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that he was gifted the race because, I mean, if you look at the the history, I mean, Graham Hill won 63, 64, 65. Do you know anything that happened in the 64 race? I don't. <laughs> That's how it's going to be remembered for Nico's race, you know, 10, 20 years. Not going to remember that pretty much Mercedes gave it to him. People look at the records and go, oh, yeah, Nico won three in a row. Yeah, that be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think with uh, Senna's wins, you do remember a bit more just because he was just fucking crazy yeah. as balls. And if you watch any highlights of Formula One, it's guaranteed to have Senna going around Monaco. The other funny thing about Monaco, they had grid boys this time instead of oh, uh, really? grid girls, which um, you know, not many people seem to notice, which right. is, that's fine, um, rather than have skimpy clothing yeah. on, the, on the grid, which is something that Monaco is generally opposed. They're rather conservative in that sort of way. They had blokes in polo shirts and tapered, tailored trousers. Well, to be honest, I'd rather see the blokes there holding up the numbers than them. Um sat around the pools of the rooftops. Yeah. But then as soon as the camera pans away to the rooftop pools, it's all on for display anyway. Yep, that's it. Uh, I don't even think that that lack of material can even be called clothing most of the time. But uh, hey, you know, they're rich, so they can do what the fuck they want. Um, probably move on to Formula E now. 
Yep. Very interesting race at Berlin. Um, look, you start with the, the quali. Jano Trulli managed to qualify very, very quickly. Uh, he got the number one. Uh, Luca Degrassi behind him and then Boemi, Heidfeld, Abt. Jano Trulli is one unlucky motherfucker. Yeah. Well, he is, but I find it hard to feel sorry for Trulli. I still remember he was in Formula One and just complaining and bitching about everything. Yeah. I still remember he tried to take this case of, I think it was a crash with Massa or something, and therefore yeah. I went, nah, it's your fault. Yeah, I'll move on with it. And the next race, he's still bringing in diagrams and all sorts of shit in the driver's meetings, and everyone's like, dude, just fucking get over it, mate. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> that was his last season, too. Yeah, he came across as like um, like the people who try and correct grammar on newspaper articles. Yeah. And they bring in, you know, according to this source, that sort of thing. It's like, mate, don't care. Everyone's moved on. Yeah. And, you know, he qualified first and finished last, second last after uh, Degrassi got excluded. But... Um, so what went wrong there? Was it just power or...? I just could not get it working. Uh, I think there was a battery issue because yeah, okay. I think actually he ended up running out of battery before he finished, to be honest. Right. But, uh, so, yeah, you started off with Trulli and Degrassi. Uh, none of those scored points. Uh, yeah, that's right. Degrassi crossed the line first, but yep. uh, post-race scrutineering found that they'd fucked around with the front wing a little bit. Ah, is that what went wrong there? Yeah, apparently oh, okay. they're claiming, uh, uh, Audi Sport are claiming that it was a repair job. Right. Um, and there was no one suggesting he gained advantage, but because it was a bit of a bodge job, uh, the concern was that if they let it through, then all of a sudden you've got people super gluing bits on that could fly off later on. Yep. Um, so it's one of those, technically what he did was wrong, but the effect on the race was zero. Yeah. So yep. I can sort of see the reason excluding, because you don't want some bloke to just duct tape on a bit that goes flying off and hit someone in the head. They probably could have got away with a warning on this one, but I don't know. It, it, it's dumb. Well, it seemed interesting, this race, it was in Berlin, at Berlin Airport, mm. which are interesting. And one of the things with watching Formula E is I noticed a lot of them have real tight sort of tracks, not as many corners of Formula 1, and that's because they just can't um, run for as long. But um, I've always wondered what would happen if they opened the track up and had wider exits, wider corners, if there'd be a more of a taking more action. But I think those tight tracks just add to the bullying on track. You don't give people room, and so they just crash each other. Well, not good racing, entertaining as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing I really do like about Formula E is actually get points for pole position, fastest lap, as well as the oh, uh, right. classification. So if you get pole, you get two points. You yeah. get fastest lap, you get two points. That's a good po- That's a good idea. I, I like that. I think it's brilliant because especially uh, in Formula 1, towards the end of the race, everyone's sort of going through the motions. Yep. Um, no one's really having a crack. If all of a sudden there's two points up for grabs, yep. you'll see a lot more drivers going, you know what? I reckon I'll have a crack at this. Yeah. And so you, know, you will see some drivers who'll have a crack and end up fucking up and in the yeah. wall. That's part of racing. Being able to push every lap, Yep, I think is brilliant. And it'll make the last few... Because like, once the fuel loads down, it's the last five laps, really, where yeah. the uh, the faster laps are for grabs. Yeah. So I'd love to see them bring that into F1 and let the guys go. And you'll see it if they did bring that in. Once refueling comes back in, which they're talking about for 2017, you could have fast lap coming at any time. Yeah, which I like. I like the, mm. the the premise of doing short fuel runs and qualifying laps. But yeah, anyway, so you see it's really quite open in the driver standings. So with Degrassi's exclusion, he drops back to third. He's sitting with 93 points. And Buemi with 101 and PK Jr. with 103. PK Jr. got the fastest lap on 
Berlin, which puts him, those two points put him in number one position. Otherwise, he would have finished equal with Boemi. But uh, it means the last three rounds in Russia and London are going to be damn tight. Uh, and every point's going to matter. You're going to have people going all out to get pole, all out to get fastest laps, and it, it's going to be fantastic. I really can't wait to see it. The next one is a, a Moscow Grand Prix, I believe. Yep, so 6th of June, round 9, they're going to Moscow. Very tight corners here, in the third sector anyway. So yeah. the first sector's quite open, and then you go around, you've got a couple of nice little sharp corners. The two hairpin corners are going yep. to be where you're going to get people making moves, and trying to stick it in. Because uh, yep. if, if you take turn 11 wide, yep. you're still looking good for turn 12 because you've got the inside line. Yeah. And you're going to see a lot of people trying to make that move. The opposite thing is if you take turn 12 wide, you've got the inside line on turn 13. Yeah. So you could have two abreast through the whole three corners, yep. and both drivers will think they've got the best of it. So it's going to come up, come down to who's got, uh, who's got the more power and who's got the uh, more determination to just keep it stuck in there. Yeah, and also turn two through to turn five looks like a little bit of a take opportunity. If you can trust your grip and stay on the outside of turn two, it'll set you up for inside of turn three and an overtake on the slow turn four, which will be interesting to see uh, some crashes there. You can guarantee that. Oh, there'll definitely be some crashes, um, especially Bruno Senna spent a fair bit of time in the air recently. Um, Unfortunately, I think we're going to see that happen again. But uh, it will be funny to see which drivers are actually able to make this track work. Because yep. it, it's going to be a very uh, a very good test of driver's ability and who's the best overtaker, which uh, overtaking is something that's uh, always respected. Yep. If you can get a clean overtake, it shows the driver's skill so much more. Yeah, um, And that's why I think I like Buemi for it. Uh, I, I would expect him to finish, or at very least, podium. Uh, and I think we'll see a surprise from Prost. Uh, young Nicholas Prost, he is the only guy... I th- pretty sure who's he hasn't missed a race yet out of points oh he's, he's got a win on his belt too doesn't he yeah yeah uh he actually won in uh, long beach i believe but uh he hasn't he he's the only driver to score points in every race he's still very consistent yep and just runs in that family doesn't it yeah smooth as fast yep. uh you know prost was called the professor because he was smooth and fast and i actually think prost could uh bob up he's probably too he's too far away to win uh, the championship, but I think he might be able to catch uh, either Degrassi or PK if either of them slack off a little bit. Yep, and hey, Nelson PK, you know he's one to throw caution to the wind if if need be. So it should make an interesting conclusion to what we got three races to go for the season. Should be a really interesting end to this season. Well, yeah, three races. So you've got seventy five points in pure race, yep. up plus three points for pole, two points for fastest lap. So. Anything could happen. We've only had one multiple winner, is that right? Yeah, it's only been Boemi, who's won twice. Uh, he's got a couple of DNFs, yeah. uh, including one from Pole in uh, Punta del Este. That still shows that it's open for anyone to win, and you know, if you have your, your day, then you've got a chance to be on top step of the podium. If you get a chance to watch the London Grand Prix, uh, E-Prix, as they're calling them, yeah, uh, do it. Just yeah. because it's sort of like a, a 2020 version of Formula One yep. to Formula One's one day out. Um, it is kind of funny when you see them jump out of cars, change cars, though. It's pretty yeah, hilarious. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of daring because these guys have nothing to lose, including half the field's got F1 experience and wants to get back there so badly. Yeah. Winning the world championship in this is a damn good way to make it happen. Yep. Um, yeah. I, 
out of that, I don't see uh, Degrassi or PK Jr. getting much of a chance in the big leagues. But Buemi uh, could make a, a recall. Uh, Prost, if F1 isn't looking at Prost now, I would be stunned. Yeah. Uh, especially teams like McLaren, who had a history with uh, Alain Prost. Yep. And they've got two world champions in there at the moment with Button and Alonso. But yep. uh, those guys, they're not going to hang out forever. Yeah, that's true. And if if uh, next year they have a, a season like this year, I dare say they'd be leaving off their own accord. Yeah. And I mean, in Formula One, there's been that talk about Renault. It's probably best them to have their own team. And um, Alain Prost is mixed up with Renault Motorsports. You'd think that Nicholas would be a shoe-in for a seat there, or at least test row or something to do with that. Mm. But I don't know how likely it is to materialise now because there's been talk of Audi and possibly Porsche or someone under the VW um, uh, family coming into mm. Formula One. But still won't be to another couple of years anyway. So I think he's probably got another season in Formula E. Um, see what happens when all the driver shakeups happen in Formula One as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with the new regs coming in in the next couple of years. Um the UK press, they love a hometown boy. And Sam Bird's doing pretty well for yep. Virgin Racing. So I think if he gets uh, another uh, podium finish before the end of the year, I think you could see a lot of the UK press jump on him, which would be great for Formula E. Yep. Because, uh, you know, they... they Well, if you ever watch um, Formula One and you hear them talk about Hamilton, uh, apparently he is Jesus. Yeah, well... That was one thing about the Formula One Grand Prix was it was just great to, just to hear how disappointed the English press was afterwards, even the Sky Sports coverage, because I like the guys, but I mean, understandably so, they are ridiculously biased towards the English lads, and hey, more power to them, I would be too. <laughs> but as Australian, it's always good to see the Poms get robbed. <laughs> so it was great the next day. If you had have just read the comments from the next day, anyone would have thought that Lewis had been diagnosed with cancer. It's oh, just, shit. oh, you know, Lewis, I hope, I hope life's a lot better today. It's like, yeah, I'm sure he cried himself to sleep while going home on his private jet, and I reckon he's well and truly over by now. If he's not, he needs to harden the fuck up. Oh, look, he's still going to win the world championship. Yeah. I just, there is no way known I can see that not happening. Yeah. But, um, I just yeah. loved all the little broken hearts of the, the English press. That was just beautiful. Lead into the ashes. That's what we're going to see. Get him primed for disappointment. And Jensen Button sitting back going, hey guys, I scored points. Yeah, exactly. And hey, get behind JB. He's all right. Oh, he... He achieved more than uh, I think a lot of the English press expected him to yep. by finishing points. I think if there was going to be a points finish, they would have thought it was coming from Alonso, which yeah. it was. It was, yeah. But uh, again, Alonso got a bit unlucky. And there has been some rumblings from well, ever since last round and through the testing that McLaren aren't terribly happy with Honda at the moment. Apparently, Honda um, mechanics like to test everything three times and McLaren are telling them it's definitely not going to work, so let's just get on with something else. Uh, no, no, no. We'll try it three times, and then we'll go on something else. So it cracks out the show in that relationship, but they never have a choice. So, well, I think with that sort of thing, when everything, when you're winning, those sort of things can be um, papered over quite easily. Yeah. But when you're underachieving, yeah, all of a sudden everyone wants to point at what they think it could be. But in the end, they just don't have enough power, and they don't have enough way to put that power to the ground. Yeah, I think it's just uh, comprehending the whole package. It's pretty hard uh, integrating from what they've done with their engine and trying to make it actually work on track. Apparently, the dyno results are very, very promising, but it's just the correlation on track they struggle with. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to Formula E a bit, for the Constructors' Championship, uh, Edom's Reddo is going to win that. Uh, You just can't see anything else happening. They've got uh, a 60-point 
buffer, 63 yeah. points on the dragon. Yep. Uh, they're home and hosed. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of experience in the whole EDMs fold, so yeah. you'd expect them to be able to maintain that lead. I don't see them giving that up. And with Buemi and Prost, you've got two very, very good drivers, very consistent yeah. drivers. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't see anyone else getting near them. Yep, I agree. But um, look, it's going to be very exciting, especially if both of them are, you know, are having good races towards yeah. the end. You could see a bit of team orders happening because if uh, Prost is very likely to be right up there fighting for podiums, yeah. if they suddenly give him a call and say, would you mind acting as the rear gunner, holding a few guys up yep. uh, before we change over cars, could be interesting to see what happens with that. Yep, and I mean, he's proven this season with his wins and that. He's got no problem with putting his car where it needs to be to keep people behind him. Uh, yeah. It's a skill, you know, more I mean, power to him. It'd be pretty tough if uh, that call is made, though, because you can imagine, uh, you know, calls up, uh, Nicolas, we need you to slow down. Oh, Dad, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the last three races of this are going to be fantastic. And especially when you, you get to see drivers absolutely piss-bolting yep. when they're changing cars. They're going to come in, explode out of that fucking thing, and just jump into the next one. Because every tenth is going to count. Yeah, but they've got minimum pit stops as well, so it's kind of relevant how fast they jump out because they've got to be sat there for a stationary period anyway. So you see them quickly jump out, get their shit off, jump in, strap all up, and then just sit there, mm. and sit there, and sit there. Then, yep, you're allowed to go now. Uh, I, I do like seeing it. it yep. It's it's stupid, it's silly, but uh, the car change is pretty funny. Yeah. I'd like to see, see a, a tag team series. <laughs> So you got your old mate in the car there, and once you get across the line, then he goes, and then you jump in the spare car once his, his is up. Should have to hand the keys over. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, take the keys out, hand them over. Or at least, at least have the running start like they used to for the old school races. Oh, the rolling start, yeah. No, the running start where you got the car across the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, old NASCAR. Yeah, they used to do it for F1. They did it for Le Mans. Oh, yeah. So they did. They did it for most series, but I love that start. <laughs> it's pretty damn funny. But yeah, so we've got... Two good races coming up in uh, the Canadian GP for F1 and yep. the um, Moscow E-Prix for Formula E. Yeah. Both of them going to be great races. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Canada, we're going out of Europe for the first time. I mean, we've only just going to be back there for the two races and now on to Canada. And Canada's a fast track. Uh, you've got fast fast straights with slow turns, which allows for lots of overtaking. Um, like I said before, we've got the World of Champions, which always will claim one or two pushing for a bit too much grip out there. Um, Ricardo won last year, but don't expect much from Red Bull this year. Only if it rains, uh, very low, not a very low downforce track, but it doesn't really suit engines that are down on power. They'll get eaten up. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're going to see a, a heavy uh, Mercedes win, and Ferrari and uh, Williams are going to be up there too. And you might even see Perez bob up for a, a mid points finish. But uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. DRS zone here, and the detection's quite early. So a lot of the times you'll see a, a person within the second in the DRS detection zone. They'll take them on the, the nice round corner and then have the home straight to extend their lead. So yeah, it looks like they'll get around a top speed of just under 320 k's per hour, which means it's a bit fucking ridiculous. So expect lots of excitement happening there. Um, usually a safety car or eight. I think last year we had maybe 12 finishes or something like that. There's a laundry list of people who didn't make it to the end. So I think this is going to be one of the first ones where you can anticipate there's going to be an exciting on-track action, where a lot of the other ones were, we were surprised by the on-track action. Lots of half chances, which is why you end up with people in the yeah. corners. And the uh, slope on the berms 
can really catch drivers out. They can grab some air that they're not expecting and yep. end up in the wall. I think there's actually there's two DRS zones. Well, I think there's one detection point, but you got the chicane there, which obviously putting on the brakes closed the DRS. So I think they can activate it again after the chicane at turn thirteen, fourteen. Mm. But because the um, DRS detection zone's just after turn nine, and you've still got turn ten and a little bit of eleven yep. to uh, put a move in, it's going to be really interesting to see which drivers try and dive up the inside there. Yeah, because it's it's a prime point. It's a hard pass. Yeah. But uh, I think you're going to see a lot of drivers go, well, fuck it, if I grab this, yep. I've got uh, two DRS zones and a nice long straight to extend my lead. Yeah. And even uh, Red Bull, with their down-on-power engine, yep. are still going to be able to use those DRS zones to get more power than the car behind them if they don't have DRS. And one thing that might help them out a little bit, I mean, it's Tony might, it's going to depend on how much they can get, how much of the power they can get down, but it looks like you're going to be set up for DRS detection out of uh, corners six and seven, where if you get a clean exit out of there, you're going to have to be sticking on the gearbox so you're close through eight and nine so you can get that detection point uh, leading to the hairpin. And that'll make the big difference because it pays on the other side of the track when you hit the straights. Um, if you're close on that part, then you've got DRS regardless of what happens around the hairpin. Yeah, the other tricky thing with eight and nine is it's very easy to try and straighten the corner out. And yep. so you see a lot of uh, drivers will... Uh, get two wheels off the track yep. and ride the curb, uh, which dirties up the wheel a fair bit. So they're going to you know, try and pa- make a move on turn 10 and may end up going a bit wide there. We saw, we've seen a lot of drivers uh, take that corner far too wide and end up over in the sticks. Yep, guaranteed uh, to happen. It'll, it'll happen to many drivers over the course of the weekend, which is going to make it bloody entertaining. Yeah, and yeah, Canada is one of the ones that you always look forward to, but... It's going to be hard to tip against Lewis here. He's always been strong at Canada, even when he was with McLaren. It seems just to be a track that he works well for. Uh, I think uh, the surprise I'm tipping, Rosberg not to score points. Yep. I think he's going to buckle under the pressure. Yep. And I think you'll see the resurgence of Williams in this race as well. They've got the Mercedes engine in there. They've got a good straight line package. Um, it all depends on how they'll head with development, if they're confident enough to start bringing upgrades to um, the aero package or not. Yeah, I mean, this could be the one race we see with three teams on the podium. Yeah, yeah, actually. I think we might chance. have um, Lewis winning. Yep. And I think Bottas and Vettel will f- uh, fill up the next two spots. Yep, that's probably, yeah. That's... Uh, if Ricardo gets fourth, he'd be stoked with that. Yeah, I mean, I reckon if, if they can, to be honest, I think they'll be happy if they score points. I think it's a track that definitely will not suit their car. Um, if they can manage to get some points, I think they'll be happy with that. Well, for them, Par would be seventh. Yeah. Um, if they achieve more than that, they'll be pretty happy. If they achieve less, they'll be a bit pissed off. But uh, like anything, it'll depend a lot on luck because yeah. when the safety guards come out, if you've just pitted, you're looking pretty damn good. Yeah. If uh, you haven't and you get caught up in the mad scramble, you're going to struggle. Or if uh, we have a bit of a drizzle, which has happened a few times at Canada, uh, yeah. it can get a bit bit slippery and it's going to come down to it there too. Yeah. And yeah, I think Red Bull will probably get caught up in um, the Sauber Lotus battle. Uh, they've got very fast engines and very crap downforce, which suits a track like this where you don't need downforce, you just need speed. Mm. So yeah, I think it'll take a little bit of a miracle for them to surprise themselves and do pretty well. Maybe some wet weather will, will help them out. But um, yeah, still will be exciting racing nonetheless. Yeah, either way, it'll be fun to watch. Um, I'll have some wings and beer and see what entertain myself for the night bloody oath um yeah we'll be back for probably do a preview for canada and uh let you know what's happened in f1 world closer to this race coming up
Yeah, should be fun. Good yeah. luck. All right, cheers, guys. See ya.